Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. In this podcast, we chat about the defeat to Cardiff, the draw against Rotherham, and answer your podcast questions. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast, and this is all your Borough Match Day chatter in a pod. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for What's Craig it? Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Emerson! Hello and welcome to the Borough Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We are the Borough Podcast that gives you all of your Borough Mash Day chatter in a podcast. And well, the defeat to Cardiff and a draw against Rotherham Sobor take one point from the week and end up being 22nd in the championship table going into the first international break. Uh, guys, let's start on, on this, shall we? Um, how are you feeling to the start about the start of the season in three words? Dana, do you want to go first? To be honest, I only have one and it's confused because okay. I think back to the very end of last season and that tonking that we got off Preston. And I remember everybody left Deepdale. They were kicking the ball around around uh, where the coaches were. And I think people were quite optimistic about the next season because it really didn't feel like we were that far away from being a top six side. Of course, we finished seventh in the end, but it felt like we only needed a few more pieces to the jigsaw to be able to to make that next step. And yet what I've seen from this season and particularly for from the last two games, we look miles off it. We look really weak the past two games. And I think it was a case earlier on at the start of this season that Borough were playing well and not getting the results. But based on the last two, we are now playing poorly and not getting the results, which is even more worrying. So I'm just really confused. We seem to be taking backward steps now, which is is what's making me just baffled. And, and that Cardiff game was a was a massive head scratcher. And to follow that up with a equally poor performance but in different ways against Rotherham is um is really disappointing. Okay, so confused and a little bit disappointing. Um but Tom, how are you, how are you feeling? Uh, well, my three words, uh, that was pathetic. Um, I had a very non-PG version of that, but I'm aware that people do listen to this podcast with the kids. So, uh, yeah, just sticking with that. Uh, really not impressed with us at all after this week. Uh, we have played some better stuff earlier in the season, but as Dan has just said there, it does seem like we're taking backward steps now. I did think after that game against Swansea where we, uh, you know, it was a very uh, impressive win. We never looked like conceding. Uh, you know, Mac Clark had the absolute game of his life. Um, I, I thought, you know, this is going to be something we can kick on from and build from. And we've just not never looked the same since. Yeah. Um, and I think kind of echo you guys as well. I think deflated, frustrated, and opt- but optimistic, I think, if I ever want to put optimistic as my third word. Um I think it's like I think it's very easy to feel deflated and frustrated. It's like especially over like the last few days and the start of the season being really, really poor and, and not being to like the standard what we want, like what the fans want, um, what the, the coaching staff want and what the club wants really. But I feel like I am optimistic because I feel like we can turn it around even though it has been so poor. Um we've got the coaching staff to do it. I think it's just kind of a case of of like putting the rocket up, like the players and everyone together. I think you know, I, I do love the players and I, I love like the club and stuff. But I just like I kind of feel like sometimes you just need to go right. 
he's he's worked good enough up here however much like a week like to go and watch his play I appreciate seeing tickle bring that price down but um and it just and to see the performance of this week I was just so frustrated deflated and I was like, oh, I just felt a bit numb after like the, the game yesterday. I, just, I didn't really want to want to know too much and didn't want to speak about it. But I think it, you put a ram on the shoulder of, of some players or work bollock the others or work with the psychologists of the, the club does and try and get ourselves back on the road again because I feel for like everyone really like, especially the fans. I think over the last few weeks has just been a big head scratcher and frustrating. But why do you think, Dana, that we've had such a, a stuttering start to to the campaign? How long have you got? I think there's a uh, well. We we reason. normally have about a fifty minute podcast, <laughs> but I mean we can't go over. I mean it's not a hard stop. We just tend to fit it all in in fifty minutes. So uh, crack on. I'll, I'll just get I'll just get my cup of coffee and uh, you, you you go away. <laughs> Start like doing the Rubik's cube. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, there's just so many. I think firstly, let me start. <laughs> <laughs> He's got one there at hand. We didn't plan that. Um, I think, firstly, losing our best player on the eve of the season was a big, big blow for Borough. And then replacing him with with Alex Moore and then an internal replacement there in Riley McGree, who I thought together on our Alex Moore at Low Down Pod, I did say that I think them two can cover some of the bases of what Tav brought to Middlesbrough. I'm not seeing that. And we've gotten rid of a ball carrier. We don't have a ball carrier in midfield anymore. McGree could potentially do that, but we're not seeing it because he's being played further forward. So I think the absence of a ball carrier is is really infuriating because we don't have the dynamism on the legs in midfield in and out of possession. And the the defence in key moments, the defence can be good for the majority of the game, but then when we want them to stand up and defend in those key moments their backsides fall through and Stoke, the prime example of that, ignoring the first goal because it shouldn't have been a, a, it shouldn't have been a foul. The referee said that after the game. But the the regen right Phillips goal should never have happened. It's just a lack of communication, a lack of responsibility. Nobody really taking the reins there in defence. And then the midfield as well, you know, I think adding the layers onto the defensive problems, it stems from the midfield because we're not keeping the ball well enough as we were last season we're poor in possession and as soon as we lose the ball our defense is on the back foot because you think of the whenever we have the ball on say the right you've got Jones really high up the pitch you've got Dyke Steele really high up the pitch and then we're usually left with defenders that are quite slow let's be honest trying to chase back and recover the position to a degree of safety from the counter-attacks that we that we concede so that's a big problem. The midfield is porous as hell and it's not helping the defence. And then I think there's a slight t- hinge, hinge, tinge, hint, <laughs> one of those words, <laughs> of disconnect up front as well. Um, and the game yesterday, we had some chances. They fell to probably the worst players in Watmore, who's not a good finisher. And and. Isaiah Jones, who has the shooting technique of an infant child that's just discovered football, so it's not great. Oh, poor Isaiah Jones, um, being described as an infant. Uh, but I see what you mean, though, Dinner, on like the about being caught in possession. Though I think we're, I think we spoke about it briefly on our preview show where we broke down players that we were interested in. We spoke about Ryan Giles and the the aspect of if we're in possession, we're going to have to play a way where it's expansive but also we'll have to pin the other team's full backs back um and have really high wing backs but obviously the, the 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 weakness of that is if you do get caught in the counter and you don't have the legs to to do it then you do get you know you do give away big chances um but tom all of the data you know if you're looking at fop mob and uh, who scored and what have you and F, well, fb ref you want to go as well and all, it all says that Boris should be fifth, really, if you look at like, the XG, expected goals against, um, chances created, because chances misses, missed. Um, well, here we are in, in 20 seconds. Um, do you think Boris have just been simply unlucky, or is it is there more to it? No, I think there's more to it. I don't think you can say a team has been unlucky to end up in the position they are after after 10 games. Uh, I think we are where we are due to conceding too many goals, which is down to a poorly drilled team, uh, mid, uh, you know, midfield and defence, uh, I think that would fall to. And we've missed too many chances this season, which is due to us not having an out-and-out finisher in the in the early games. As Dana's just mentioned there, 
Duncan Watmore, we know, isn't uh, an out and out finisher. He has the potential in him to score some absolute worldies at times, but then he'll get a uh, tap in from six yards out and, and manage to put it wide. Um, you know, the chances we had in, in early games, he really should have been finishing. Um, and yeah, as, as mentioned there, the, the defence just haven't been doing their jobs and it's conceded, uh, ended up in us conceding too many goals. So this is a little question to the to pair of you. So Tommy, you can take it first if you want. But how how do you resolve that that inconsistency, the poor drilling that you mentioned there, Tom? But then also, do you think it's a confidence issue as well as the results haven't been coming our way? I think it is a bit of both, and I think to to resol- resolve the inconsistency, you use this international break to really go back to basics on the training ground and improve that team cohesion. I don't think we're too far off because we have seen great one-touch football earlier in the season. Uh, you know that that preseason game against Marseille, obviously it's preseason, so you can't say uh, can't take too much from it. But some of the football we played there was outrageous, and then we carried that over into into West Brom. Ultimately, we haven't capitalised on it because we can't keep goals out of the back. But I think a prime example of the effect having a a well-drilled defence would be Karanko when he first came in. He's ended up coming in. You know, we had a spell of like six games where I don't think we ever scored or conceded and he turned Friend Gibson and Ayala and and Dean White and Joseph Fager at right back into a defensive unit that just didn't concede. I think any... I think arguably now we have the we have more quality options in defence than we would have done at that point. I think you know hypothetically any new manager coming into this isn't going to be looking at the likes of Lenahan, Clark, Dyke, Steele, McNair, Fry, etc., and thinking that's a defence with with a shitload of mistakes in it every game or anything like that. They're going to be thinking those are quality players that can work with. They they're very capable of being a strong defence we can build a foundation on. They just need to be drilled into being a unit, and I think you, you do that over the next couple of weeks. And going forward, I just think we're overcomplicating things far too often now, and we just need to to simplify it. Um, we're not doing the things that we were we were previously doing well. Um, so I, f- I feel like this break's probably come at uh, an opportune time. Um, I think I think usually in, in our recent history, we, we're doing well and then we go into an international break and it all falls apart. So we really need the, the opposite from, from this couple of weeks. Dana, do you want to add to that? Yeah, in terms of the inconsistencies and how to iron them out, I really worry about our midfield because I think it's the source of a lot of our problems and I don't think we've got the personnel to change it because... <laughs> The left of midfield, we've got a lot of left footers, but it's like Ed, Ed and Eddie, isn't it? Between Boyd Munns, Riley McGree and Alex Moore. Like, I just don't think our midfield is anywhere near as strong as it was last season. And yes, there is a big tavernier-shaped hole in that midfield. But surely, surely we still could have done enough. And it feels like Crooks is a shadow of his, uh, of his uh, self from last season. And he doesn't have any competition now. And then Housen has probably, I know everybody loves Housen and, and to criticise Housen is like throwing a tomato at your grandma, but he should have been replaced a while ago. Like he should have been upgraded two, three, two and a half seasons ago for me. Um, so I think inconsistencies, I agree with with Tom. We need to simplify it. We're not doing what we were doing in possession last season, which is recycling the ball well, because if we have the ball, the opposition can't score. It's as simple as that. If we get rid of the ball, if we are sloppy in possession as we have been, heavy touches, poor pass selection, not taking, not taking risks in possession as well. I know risks can come back on us but the prime example of that the games against Rotherham and, and, and well more so against Cardiff where we just passed the ball around and nothing else was really happening um, so I think we need to to ignite that confidence a little bit more and I think to do that just keep it simple to start with and build that platform up um, but it is it is weird that, that there is there does seem to be a confidence issue Jones coming back onto his weaker left foot when he was through on goal and could have chased it down to to the byline where he's very, very threatening from. Um, Stefan electing to punch that cross into the box when he could have caught it. It all says to me that this is a, a team long confidence. And it's it's just it's so frustrating to watch because this team can play. They just need to believe in themselves. 
Mm. Yeah, I, I would say on, on both both your points as well. I think the defense of of Clark, Fry, and, and Dyke Steele is your three for the future to run with. I felt we we felt that like we were fairly balanced yesterday, and I thought we 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 defended really. We didn't have to defend well because Rotherham didn't get past the halfway line. But most of the time, we we we'd, when we did dominate, we didn't, and when we were under under threat. We were we were pretty much fine. I feel that like you can build on that as well. And um, I think the the confidence stuff. Yeah, I agree. You know, it, it's something that you can definitely improve on, and that comes with results. Um, but there there was and there is like a very small murmur. I think from from a small selection of saying around Wilder should he go or are performing very well at the moment. Kind of feels full circle because last year we were at a position with with Warnock where it wasn't think things weren't going too well. Um. What are your thoughts on potential Wilder leave the building conversations, Dana? Do you want to go first on that? Well, I don't subscribe to Wilder out, but I don't blame people for for doing so. I think it has been a poor season so far, but also this was a problem last campaign as well. And and picking up from kind of where we left off last season, it's been really, really poor. And it just seems we seem really lost at the minute. And we spoke about confidence there. Surely the manager and the management team, coaching staff instill that confidence. So maybe there's there's a point behind the scenes where the, there's a bit of a, I don't want to say disconnect because I'm so bored of saying that, but there's something not quite right there. And people will go back to the Bernie rumours and him not squashing it. And there would probably be an interest from Wilder to, to take that job. Was that, more than what we and I assumed because I just batted it off as if it was just nonsense from the bookies but was there actually something more in that than I like than I assumed because if so then that could be playing a part um but yeah I don't I don't want Wilder out because I do believe that he is the best man to take us forward but I think you can believe that and then also question what's happening in the present um it's entirely possible to do both so um yeah i'm i'm wilder in still but i'm massively uh questioning some of the things that, that are happening in millsborough right now tom yeah i'm still wilder in um but I'm, I'm i think even if he was to go it's still too soon i understand why people are now saying it i've got a, a tweet here from boris that um it, it's shown that if, if Middlesbrough fail to pick up a point against Rotherham on Saturday, it'll be the worst start since 2013 with nine game uh, nine points from 10 games. Tony Mowbray was sacked two weeks later. Obviously, that, that draw yesterday puts us a point above that. But, you know, if, if Warnock had us in this position last season, I feel like we'd have been massively questioning things. So I can definitely understand why people are questioning Wilder and stuff uh, now. I think things have to improve or those calls are just going to get louder. Um, like I said, personally, I don't want to see it happen. I would feel like, you know, after a year, we're going back to square one already. Um, but he does need to take a, a large bit of the blame, I think, for, for me. In the pre-match press conference against Rotherham, he blamed a goal against Cardiff on eight individual mistakes in the lead-up. So I think as a manager, you can blame maybe one or two mistakes tops and and say, yeah, it was like that one mistake from X player uh, that's, that led to this goal. But eight individual mistakes, I think, lie with how well drilled the team are. And ultimately, that does lie with the manager and the, the coaching staff. Like I said earlier, I think it is too soon to be looking at making a change. But I think if things don't improve and we are forced into making a change, I think this season's a bit of a one-off in that the ideal time to do it's the World Cup break anyway, because then you've got pretty much, what, a second pre-season while that four-week break is on for, for a new manager to to come in and kind of resolve any issues. So, like I say, I, I still think he's the right man for the job. He's I think he proved it when he first came in last season and the football he had us playing. It's just he really needs to kind of uh, earn his uh, earn his pay now and and really uh, drill the team well over the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, I'm I'm going to Coventry, uh, so I really don't want to see us playing like we did against Reading or you know either of the games the the last couple of weeks because you know Giocares will end up having a field day against us and end up doing like a contract sign and celebration in front of us or something like that. But, <laughs> He, he's got the time now in this two weeks to, to resolve it and 
just want to see a massive improvement when we come back. Mm. Yeah, I think I think by this wobble, you know, I think when you're looking at, at Wilder, like he's still third highest points per game behind Karanka and Pulis after like thirty plus games. I think it was easier to go off that than than anything else. Um Warner got what seventy four, seventy five games, so it's kind of a case of I think Wilder probably deserves the same. I think how does he compare to, to Warnock? I think Warnock had like a, a points per game of one point three, one point three two. So he had performing on that that's that stint now uh, that expect that I expect I think the football is better, but there is like so many problems that are just creeping into our game and I think yeah it does I think I agree with you is that it comes with like the coaching, why are we creating these these many mistakes? Is he getting found out? Does he need to adapt? Is there a problem with the system? I don't think there is, but I think it's like the case of we just underperform in so many areas at times. I feel like that's why we generate these mistakes quite a lot. Um, and like, I think also, again, like the coaching staff side of things with confidence, you've got a big team behind that as well. You've got like psychologists, you've got like teams that work on like the mental state, of, like not just mental state, but physical state of the players as well in terms of how the boys perform and just off the pitch as well. And you can go to that level of detail and you can work collectively as, as a group to try and improve that but I think Wilder probably is still is the man you know he, he I don't I'm not it's weird I feel like a lot of fans are in that same boat as well I feel like he is the man but the backing hasn't been as good as what we really anticipated to be I remember at the start before in pre-season there was marquee silence floated about you know there was gonna be a big push this year and then it's happened again where like fans have been all promised and it's under delivered and then people get frustrated and start blaming the club and all that kind of stuff. It's like a revolving, probably a vicious cycle is probably the best way to say it. Um, but in terms of like Wild, I think, you know, history will tell you he's, he's had these spells at, you know, Northampton, Sheffield United, Oxford. They've all came through it and went on to, to win promotion. He's won promotion everywhere he's been. So could this be the pain before the game? And you, you go... You, you you start again after the international break and and really kick on. But I said around like the the marquee sign and and recruitment and this is a vicious cycle. And honestly, we must speak about recruitment or getting deals over the line. Every I think we've been doing this podcast for about four and a half years now. We still keep coming back to it. We still keep getting asked the same questions. We keep asking, should there be a change at the top? Should we really speak about it? Because have we really just got the right bodies in there now? Have we just simply not backed him as much as we want to back him? Oh, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because I think on the surface of it, we haven't. But then we have moved forward with a different strategy in the transfer window, which in a way you can praise because we don't want to be spending 15 million or over the odds for players because it's just not sustainable that way. The the market post-COVID is forcing clubs to approach things differently. But then at the same time, we've kind of flubbed ourselves over a little bit because we've waited for Strand Larson. And I by no means think that we've just stuck on Strand Larson and not looked at other players because you can be focused on one player and then look at others as well. But we've left ourselves short up front, I think, because well, not necessarily short front in numbers, but short in quality. Because Hoppy seems like a development signing, as as uh, Wilder has said. Force isn't really getting so much of a look in as I expected. And then midfield, big, big, big red flag in midfield. How we've managed to become worse off in that area, I do not know. I really don't. I think that is incredibly poor. And yes, we were unlucky. We didn't bring in Onyeka on deadline day because of the injury to Norgard, but surely that should have been a thing that was addressed as soon as Piero left because Piero didn't set the, the world alight here, but he was an option and now we don't have that option after Crooks. So I think the recruitment team have probably got the right approach but the the eventual results of that have um have not been great and i think i rated didn't i rate our transfer window like 6.7 or 6.8 or something to be honest it gets worse by the game by every game that i watch um because luke made a point on the telegram chat our squad building was weird um and i think it was our strikers just no no main man no no striker that you can really hold your hat hang your hat on to be a 15 a goal a season striker, which I think is what we need. Um, no ball carrier in midfield, as I, as I alluded to. It's just really weird. Tom? Yeah, I mean, I think it was the right approach. Uh, approach, sorry. And, and I think we've got 
the right players in in areas. I do think we are still missing a couple of positions, mainly in midfield. Um, but you look at it, we, we do have a a stronger start in eleven than last season. I, I think, um, like I said, just with a weaker midfield than we would have liked. Our new recruitment model uh, it has worked this summer in regards to making smart signings and and trying to be profitable. Um, and it's. I mean, it's only been a couple of games since the the transfer window ended or a few, but it's already obvious that we need to strengthen in January and the rebuild isn't fully finished yet. Um, mm. But also, we do need to start playing the players that we've signed as well. Uh, as Dan has just mentioned there, the whole Force and Hoppy being development strikers situation is just really strange to me. Um, Force has played championship football for, for two other clubs and apparently is, uh, you know, one of them got promoted to the Premier League, but he's only good enough to be a development striker for us. And Hoppy's played in two of the top European leagues. And it to me, it kind of has a, a bit of an air of like Warnock saying Uche was brought in to be third choice, but he's been given the number nine shirt. Or, you know, I asked someone above me about Van Bergen because it's nothing to do with me. Um, like, I, I don't know if them not playing and McGree playing at 10 up until yesterday has been a, a bit of a political statement to, to those above to say, like, we need, uh, you know, we need, we need backing. But it, it seemed like there was a bit of a, not as much as last season, but uh, a bit of kind of dual approach in the transfer window and that the manager wanted certain players, but also the club want him to work with certain players as well. Um, so it's a scene that's just coming to my mind there is uh, from Moneyball, one of my favourite films where, uh, you know, the Brad Pitt, the general managers, haven't actively take players away to force the coach to to play people in the positions he wants. Um, I don't know. I, I get the feelings like that, and you know, Wilder wants it to to look one way, but the club wants it to look another. Mm. Yeah, both like really valid points as well. Like, um, also great film, Moneyball. Tom, I, I fully agree with you. Great film. Um, definitely at ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes for me. Um, <laughs> but in terms of like the the recruitment side, like yeah, like I've said like before, like the this new recruitment structure, it's not going to be a hit overnight, is it? You're going to have strikers or players that aren't going to really fit straight away. Gonna have people that are gonna build for like the future like for the future. This could take about three years to really develop. And I know I know there's the expectation of, of getting promoted and I like obviously everyone was in agreement that playoffs is the minimum this year because of the expectation that the club set. But um yeah, like the recruitment is it's just like as the years both said, it's a bit weird. It's not done yet. We we're still looking for that replacement for Tav really, realistically. Pierre got on loan was strange, but it kind of made sense because he needs to play games and go back. Um, and you know, we're, st- we're still looking for that spark. You know, I mean, we played the three four one two last night. Definitely thought it was an improvement in terms of like limiting chances. Um, and you know, we created we created more in terms of movement off the ball, and also created a lot of problems for for Roman at times. But it's the the finishing was left to be desired. So we're looking for another striker and try to develop from there, but we'll, we'll soon see. But Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. 
What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I feel like we should talk a little about some of the matches this week, and I know we don't really want to, but um, <laughs> and we could end this podcast here, and I feel like no one would really care, but we don't do that. We're dedicated. Um, but well, let's look back to, to Tuesday. I know we don't really want to look back, but we're welcome Cardiff who have just recently sacked the manager, Steve Morrison. So, mad. Um, but while the names are unchanged, unchanged sides uh, to the team of Sunderland and we found ourselves 3-0 down after 45 minutes, but what more and Rodrigo Muniz softened the blow and Tom dropped his phone. Um, and <laughs> everything was so much better. Uh, <laughs> so, Dana, uh, how would you assess the performance against Cardiff? Oh, listen, we've had a few days to digest and dissect this. And it, I mean, it feels like we've had about 20 years. I mean, it certainly added that much <laughs> on my life. Um, it was, you know, I don't, I think the word negative is thrown around in football a lot, but I do feel like we were negative in that game because our pass selection was too safe. There were no risks being taken. And, and one of the biggest importance uh, of this team uh, under Wilder is the off the ball movement. It's what makes the system tick. You know, you can't have the, the the Wilder ball without that movement off the ball. And we just didn't have that. There was no movement being made to draw players out of position, to disrupt the back line, to shift players out of their roles, to, to vacate that space with somebody else. And what happened actually, Cardiff was set up really well. I, I really like their shape because they're, there wasn't so much of a gap between their defence and their midfield. And so it forced Borough to play in front of Cardiff. And the good thing for Cardiff, anyway, the bad thing for Borough, is that we could not play through the lines. It was a really compact sort of box shape from Cardiff where they were forcing Borough to play in that middle third and the build-out from the back. And what this happens and what happens after this is what you do not want to happen in football. It's that dreaded U shape because it's it's what happens against Blackburn. Probably the biggest example of it, it was that game against, um, against Blackburn at Ewood where Borough would just pass it along the back line and not actually doing anything with it. There was no conviction to our passing, no breaking through, no... Just not breaking the lines, really. And you see that in the game against Cardiff, it was passing, usually from Fry and McNair. Clark was on the pitch for 68 minutes. If he was on for the full entirety of it, then the pass map would be a lot more defined in that U-shape between the back line. Honestly, it's it's the worst shape that you can have in a game because you're just passing and it's so easy. And I feel like that's what Borough are right now. It's what easy to play against. So... You do not want to see that U-shape, and that's what we've seen of, of late. Teams are quite compact against us. They're, they're playing a shape whereby Borough have to play in front of them, and Borough don't have the answers. Nobody's really taking any risks. No one's offering themselves for the ball. No one's getting into good positions. And then when we are getting into good positions, the pass selection is so safe, so negative, and we are kind of we're just here we're in this position where we're not actually offering anything to the likes of Cardiff not really threatening them and it's really poor and yeah the the game against them was um was just a real head scratcher because I remember thinking in the West Brom game this is really early for me to think this but I was looking at that match and I think I don't recognize this Middlesbrough team in that second half it was Mm. poor against West Brom but I was I remember saying and thinking I don't recognize this Middlesbrough team and yes that's understandable because we brought in new players but still even the the basic the basics of sort of how we've been playing this season it's just it feels like a million miles away from what we were last season so it's just really strange a real head scratcher and we were all fuming after the game, weren't we? That Twitter spaces we did. It's just, oh God, really bad. Yeah, I think just on that uh, on that U ship as well, Dee, where you were mentioning there, it kind of reminds me of what Steve Morrison's doing there. So I've seen like how like Red Bull teams tend to set up where it's very counter pressing and you try to have like that little box in midfield. Mm. And what the, the counter press tends to do is so when you do go into those in that part of play they can intercept you quite quickly and then a count will counterattack you with with numbers and it's fairly quickly and if you, if you want to like watch like a team 
who does that fairly often, watch Leeds United. Not very good to say on a Borough podcast, watch Leeds United. But in terms of that Red Bull methodology, where Jesse March came from, that it was very, very similar of how they've adopted that. And the way Borough play, and they try to get the ball out wide, and they try to, and they try to stretch teams. But if you do keep that compact shape at times, and you want to counter press in, in those moments and try to create traps, that's where Borough become fairly weak. And I think we don't, since we when we had Tav, um, we were able to recover quite quickly, but with the players that we have currently, we I think we're quite limited. Um, we can't recover the ball fairly quickly, and then teams will go on to break and, and score. But Tom and Tav on. was right. Tav was comfortable receiving the ball in the half turn under pressure as well, mm-hmm. which is yeah. important for the transitioning that from defense to attack. So big problem there in midfield. I agree. And then Tom three nil three nil down at half time. Was it a case of just Cardiff being good or Borough simply that bad? Uh, I honestly think it was just that we were that bad. For me, while I was watching it, it looked like someone was playing FIFA and lowered all our players' sliders down because we <laughs> we just looked like we were playing in slow motion. The third goal, Clark just stood there and watched Perry NG go past him. Then NG makes space around the other defender. I, I feel like it was Fry, but I can't remember off the top of my head using one of the slowest cut insides I've ever seen and still scores. Um, <laughs> McNair, I thought, was absolutely horrendous first half. Uh, resorted to long ball abs- like constantly uh, and just kind of gifted possession back to Cardiff frequently. Uh, very slow in defence as well, uh, as we saw with the first goal. Uh, I would want to point out with the first goal as well because it came down the, that right-hand side and... You know, I don't think Jones was kind of anywhere near the situation. And I feel like that's why you have to play Dyke still behind him. Uh, so Jones can feel like he can he can push up on that right-hand side and he's going to have some sort of security behind him because I just don't feel like he had that with McNair. Um, and he was rightfully subbed at half-time and Dyke still in 135 minutes in the last game and a half is already showing why he's a better choice for that position. Uh, also, second goal, ridiculously slow, closing down on the edge of the box. But in summary, all three goals were absolutely preventable. And like I say, it's just we were that slow in in reacting to things. We, we pretty much gifted them these opportunities. Yeah, so would, would you say that was the reason why they were able to break us down so easy? Yeah, definitely. I mean, in, in that first half, it, it only looked like one team wanted to what wanted the game, wanted to turn and play football, and it absolutely wasn't us. Hmm. On the, on their goals, D, um, we, I know we we do love to break down a goal on this podcast. Um, or Dowder <laughs> and Harris goals that could have been prevented. Yeah, the the third one as well from NG, which is the worst one, but I don't even want to break that one down because I think you can just say one word for that and that was absolutely crap. Um, <laughs> that's two Well, words. that's two words. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes. the first one, yes, <laughs> the first one, I mean, feed it into the narrative about not keeping a hold of the ball or taking care of possession anywhere near enough. Paddy McNair powers a ball into Crooks, a little bit, probably a little bit too overhitched, shall we say, into him. Crooks manages to kind of get it under his spell a little bit, but then classic Crooks touch, like a zoo animal, pick any. He, it's just an awful touch. Uh, Joe Rawls is able to pick up possession. Um, and then we're immediately on the back foot, you know, the the space in between, oh, sorry, the space in behind in, in the midfield area is is ridiculous. And obviously we do recover this from, from runners getting back but we just don't really have the pace to be able to get to a, a safe position. So it, it starts that move starts in midfield, um, which is a, a big problem of ours. We can't keep hold of the ball anywhere near good enough as we did last season. And then if we move it on, Callum Robertson plays a really, really good ball in behind. McNair's just caught napping. And it really sums up how poor he was that night because he's just really passive. And I think that's probably one of the biggest descriptions that I could give for that game. We were very passive and it's a fantastic ball. Don't get me wrong. And I remember at the time thinking, bloody hell, that's that fantastic passing behind, perfectly weighted for, for Callum O'Dowder to run onto. But O'Dowder's already on his back. And Paddy McNair is just so slow and doesn't realise this kind of spatial awareness around him and, and the player around him to be able to follow that run. And then the Harris goal, the second one, it's where Housen has possession of the ball. And the pass to Alex Moore is on, and, pa- and Alex Moore is gesturing to receive <laughs> the, the pass, but he's under pressure by Rinna Mota. Um, and it, 
Housen's force back towards his own goal. And this is what really annoys me about this goal is that Alex Moore does not move from that that frame. He does not move. He doesn't sort of come in field to receive the ball from Housen or to try to give him an option. Then you've got Jones and McNair who have positioned themselves behind the Cardiff players so they are in no way a viable option for a pass. And yes, Housen keeps holding the ball for far too long but he's not helped by his teammates who don't really offer themselves for the ball after Alex Moore initially does. He just doesn't follow that up by, you know, coming closer to Housen to be able to give him a passing lane there. So Cardiff were very good in their press, don't get me wrong, but I think it's just really poor from Borough. The, the kind of, again, just not really showing themselves for the ball, being really passive, um, and being quite negative. And yeah, the, the, the third goal is just what exactly what we should be doing and what we have been doing, the off-the-ball movement, in behind, give and go, getting behind. And I mean, bloody hell, centre-half scores that goal. That's embarrassing. Mm, I just add on to that second goal as well. I advocated for Sarn and Rinamota quite a few times and that was exactly the reason why. Like <laughs> We had a prime opportunity on a free transfer this year and he went to Cardiff. Like mm, Good signing for them as well. I should listen to you more often, Tom. They should. should. I mean, it, it, it was it was a good, good, really good suggestion as well. Um, I felt like it would have fit the molds um, really, really well. And the way that we press is 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 so influential and in trying to get results for us, and it just didn't materialise. And now we don't have someone to do that. Um, but on on the frames that you you showed, then I think it was just the case of that counter pressing, the narrowness of trying to be smart about the ball, showing that Red Bull method, uh, philosophy really and how they're operating. And um, how was really, really smart from Cardiff to, to play the way they did. You know, if you occupy that central space and make things really difficult for Borough, that is something that teams can can really, if, if you've got quality I, I, on, on the break, then that is a way to play against this Borough side at the moment, especially when they're low on confidence. Um, but in the second half, you know, Tom Cardiff had a, an XG of zero point zero zero, um, and we did make two changes with with uh, McNair and Watmore. Uh, no, sorry, McNair. Yeah, McNair and Mauer coming off, um, and then Watmore and Dykesteel coming on. Sorry, my, that was a massive mouthful to say. Um, but yes, it does. It it does. Yes, it just shows that uh, um, they were very happy to sit in and. Do you think it was Borough had far too much to do, 3-0 down, at home, 45 minutes to play? Yes, they didn't even have a shot. Yes, they had an XG of not point not, 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 not. Um and it was just, it was just too much to do for Borough on that in that front. Yeah, absolutely. I thought that at half time. I just thought it was very similar to the QPR game earlier this season. I didn't even think we'd get one back. But as soon as we got one and then got the second, I was like, yep, that's it. We're not getting the third. Um, <laughs> you know, Cardiff didn't have to do anything in terms of attacking the second half, and you can't blame them. If we were freeing a lot, like uh, what is supposed to be a strong team away from home, you'd absolutely expect us to sit in and see it out second half. So, you know, fair play. That, that's all they had to do. And, uh, you know, they, they did the jobs well second half. Ultimately, we just left ourselves with far too much to do from, uh, you know, not waking up until the 45th minute. Yeah, and with, with that as well, like, even though, although we scored two then and it, the, the comeback was, was probably a bit too much. Um, do you think that the goals were a bit overshadowed by just, just that first half in general? Like, even if we did salvage a point, do you think it would have been still fairly frustrating? Yeah, because when you're crap and as bad as we were in the first <laughs> half, it is not a positive to be better in the second half. It just isn't because you can't get any worse than we were in the first half. So, yes, we were better in the second half, but I don't take positives from that really because we had to be. We simply had to be. If we weren't, then it would have been it would have been severely bad, worse than it was in the first half. And so, yeah. We we just had to be better in the second half, to be honest. I don't really take too many positives from it. Okay, well, I know there's not many positives, but I'm going to try and find one or two. Um, is there anyone that can come out with a little bit of credit from, from that game in particular, Tom? Yeah, I've got two. I've got Dykesdale and Muniz. Um, I don't think I've seen a game so far where Muniz doesn't look like he's given 100% up front yet. And 
it, it's really good to see considering what we've had up front the last couple of years. Uh, you know, he's there wasn't a lot for him to do. Uh, oh, no, sorry, there was a lot for him to do against Cardiff by himself. Uh, the long balls really didn't suit him, but I never saw him kind of give up. He was always, you know, using his 10-foot vertical leap to, to go off for headers <laughs> and trying to hold the ball up and bring other people into play. So... It, it just it didn't suit him that game, but like I say, he never gave up and, and fair play. You could tell he was putting a lot of effort in. Um, and also Dyke Steele, as I mentioned earlier, brought such a difference just from being able to play the ball on the floor and being able to be progressive at right centre-back, which was the opposite of what McNair was doing for that entire first half. Hmm. Dana, is the... You're not a fan, not a fan of McNair on this podcast, are you, Tom? Um... No. <laughs> <laughs> Sold him to seven. Uh, sold him to Brentford for seven million on Footy Manager yesterday, and I feel like I wow. scammed him. Seven mil. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's that's some great bit of business, Tom. I'm not going to lie. Good, good business. My transfer model. Yeah. <laughs> Get you in, Tom. Head of recruitment. Um, head of deals as well. You may as well at this point. Uh, Dana, is there anyone else? I mean, like Steele. I'm guessing. Yeah, it has to be Dyke still. I mean, he made a run within, I think, about five minutes of him coming on and he was my man of the match based on that because he actually, he tried to break through and there was intent there. There was a, an action with intent and that dribble got us somewhere. I think it might have even created an opportunity. So, yeah, within five minutes of him coming on, he was man of the match for me. He's an He's absolutely nailed. He's He's somebody that should start in right centre-back for the foreseeable future. Um, Wilder was right to drop McNair. He was poor against... Well, he's been poor for a while. And, um, yeah, Dyke Steele's a shoe in there for me for the foreseeable. I agree with what Tom said about Moon. Is he never hides, does he? And even when things aren't necessarily going for him, he battles really hard. And um, by that annoyance, the shot against Watford, I've, I've really liked Moon so far. Yeah, I do as well. Um, I, I think he's, I think he's brilliant. And, you know, it's just giving him the opportunities to score now. And I think he will put them away when he gets a chance or he'll try and do something incredible or try and score a, a volley from 60, 70, 80 yards away. Uh, but we'll, we'll, you know, but it's, uh, I think he's been a really, really good sign. And, and I, I agree with you with Dyke Steele. Uh, tremendous football. I absolutely love him. And think he's been, I mean, probably one of Borough's best players of the season so far. And then just on McNair, Played a lot of games over like the last three years. I think it's averages out to fifty-three games a year, which probably one a week. But obviously, you know the intensity can come and go on that one. So maybe he's playing a bit too much, and we just need to time out, out and just yeah, a little bit of burnout and just get him out the team for a few weeks and see how he comes back uh, comes back from there. And and that's managing that accordingly. Obviously, this league is is very very demanding, so there could be fatigue in that. But you don't want to make too many excuses on, on those things but let's look at Rotherham then I don't think we'll spend too much time on this because I don't think anything happened um, with, with but the th- things I did uh, Wilder made three changes Stefan Watmore and Dykesteel came in for Roberts Mowat and McNair and guys what were your thoughts on the game because like I said nothing really happened did it Tom? <laughs> No, um, to be honest, I, I was I was quite glad for it because I was really ready for bed by the time it had finished for a <laughs> for a nighttime kickoff. Uh, just extremely boring. Um, I thought we were lucky that Rotherham never looked like scoring, but I was fearful every time they got a set piece because Dana mm-hmm. had already put the fear of God into me pre match with us about the uh, about Rotherham being second in the set piece xG table. So every time they got mm. a corner or a free kick, I was like, oh God, here we go. Yeah. Most um, goals set pieces this season along with QPR on five. <laughs> but yeah, I mean we had a few half chances. We looked like the the most likely of the the two teams to score, but it just wasn't good enough. To me it felt like I'd gone back in time and I was watching, you know, uh, a game where Warnock was in charge because we just looked clueless in attack. Uh, just so slow and, and lacking confidence. Uh, there was a bit of play which I thought summed up the entire game, which was when Jones got goal side of his man. If he'd have kept going, he either had a clear pass or he was getting fouled for a penalty. And he cut back and just everyone just groaned in frustration. And whether or not that was just because he was waiting for more people to get in the box or he just fancied going back and trying to beat the man again, I don't know. But 
we're back to doing similar as I, I mentioned we did against Redden, where we're just trying to overcomplicate everything, uh, trying to get the perfect pass into attacking area rather than taking a risk, as, as Dana mentioned earlier, which is necessary to, to create an attacking opportunity sometimes. And it just looks like we get up the pitch and we just try and play ultra safe and, and try not to lose the ball, uh, which we, you can't do when you're trying to attack. Okay. And then I'm going to come to you as well. I feel like I need both your opinions on, on this one. Yeah, I was thoroughly bored. I said after the game to use that I've never wanted to escape from the Riverside and the surrounding areas as quick as I did yesterday. And yet I watched two really poor games yesterday. So the words soul sapping come to mind. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was just poor. I think probably the most entertaining part of that game was when Rory the Lion took a penalty. <laughs> Yeah, a half time in his shoe fell off again. He, he looked he look so dejected walking off after that as well, by the way. <laughs> he scored, Good. though, didn't he? I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I didn't think he did. Uh, <laughs> he had his head down when he was walking off. Kids were trying to shake hands with him. He didn't want any of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was screaming. <laughs> uh, poor, poor Rory the Lion. I mean, he just, he just comes to the game, just wants to take a penalty and the shoe falls off. We've all been there. We've all, we've all been there. For the next game, like. Well, well, with with the the slight tactical tweak as well, Tom. We we played a, a three four one two yesterday. Um, we mentioned on the podcast a few weeks ago that could be a system <clears throat> where Middlesbrough might flourish in it, might limit the space and also create more chances for us and connect the midfield to to the attack um i can't remember which podcast it was it might be a couple of i think it was two podcasts ago i think we we spoke about it but um mcgree was in the 10 um how do you think borough fared in in that system a little bit better um i thought mcgree was certainly more involved than he has been recently um and i saw him coming deep to receive the ball quite often and it did help that we were actually pulling the ball into his feet as well uh which you know we weren't doing against against cardiff but um it, it did seem like in that position, he did have attacking options ahead of him. I wouldn't mind seeing it again uh, moving forward, and especially in the place of Moet, who I thought was going to be a, a very good signing for us and I think has been poor the last few games as well. Um, but yeah, I, it seemed a little bit better in, in that formation, so we're, we've at least got something to work on, I think. Mm. And Wilder said it was a, a bit of an arm wrestle as well, Tom, but did you see it as an arm wrestle or did you just see it as a... A grit like a podcast like sleep. Do you know all the sleep all sleep casts? Um, was it an arm wrestle or a sleep cast? No, I do, I do agree that it was a bit of an arm wrestle, but it should have honestly never been that. And the standards need to be higher. Uh, I think one point from a week where you have two home games against Cardiff and Rotherham is nowhere near good enough if you're trying to be competing at the top of the table. Um, you know, it's all well and good saying it was a tough game after the fact, but it's the type of game you have to be winning. Uh, and I don't think you should be going into that, not even looking that threatening, getting a nil all draw and be like, oh, it was a bit of an arm wrestle. Like, no, nah, you needed six points out of this week. And, and we didn't get We just got the one and ended up being third bottom in the championship table. But the, you know, Rotherham came with a game plan. It was to sit in that low block. Um, we couldn't really break them down. I think if you want if you want to compare it to the Cardiff game, I think Cardiff were a bit more compact in, in those areas and Borough were able to break the line to the number 10. But does it just outline our weaknesses, really, that, that game uh, on, on Saturday night? It did, yeah, because I don't think we moved the ball quick enough anymore. And then when we did get the chances, they fell to the the players that you probably don't want them to fall to. And um, it just kind of sums up our <laughs> our night. If they were to have fallen to, to Muniz, I'd be a lot more confident. You know, the what more chance where Richard Wood kind of fumbles it, doesn't he? And it lands to him on the on the volley, kind of cushions it over the over the bar. Should be testing the keeper, Jones, when Watmore did all the great work, cut it back. He should be testing the goalkeeper. Um, how that stayed out in the in the second half, I do not know. Um, I think Johansson got a, a touch on it, didn't he? And it hit the hit the post and went over the line. That pretty much sums up Borough's um, Borough's look at the moment. But yeah, I think when we do come against come up against a low block, we need to move the ball quicker, take more risks, and you will see that you'll pull players in 
sort of out of that low block and then you can pick up those positions it's it's I mean it's easier said than done of course but I just think our pass selection is really poor at the moment and we're not taking risks the off the ball movement ain't great and yesterday when Mark Bowler came on he made a run and I said well done Bowler you know I'm, I'm praising the players for moving now which um which I mean he's stops up I was going to say he's just been sent off in the 23. Yeah. So, um, not well done, Baller. <laughs> <laughs> what a 24 hours for Mark Baller, uh, getting yeah. compliments for running and then getting sent off straight after. Um, but that's but what yeah, we, that's what yeah. we want to see. Not not him get sent off, but we want to see those runs. We want to see the the dribbling and and you know taking the the game to the likes of of Rotherham and Cardiff and whoever else we play up come up against. It doesn't matter about quality. You know, we just want to see those risks being taken and the, the off the ball movement, the triangles, the platform to be able to to link the the George Dyke steel and and crooks together. We're just we're not really seeing that anymore really. Yeah, uh, we are, and I think when you go onto that lower block as well, there's obviously two, three ways you can go around it, but go around it to try and beat that. It is the the tempo and trying to stretch teams uh, and play you can either play through them or alternatively it's that cross diag but you've got to be very very quick in how you're playing but you were saying Dennis pulling players out of position when when you play at such a slow tempo and there's no off the ball movement there's probably two things that uh come to mind is that one your team is short of confidence or two you aren't capable or you're not capable of passing that cross diag and you're not willing to do it or take the risk um i feel like that was probably a mixture of both yesterday um and hopefully we can try and improve that but that low block it's always going to come at the riverside teams will sit in that low block it's just a case of when it was under karanka we had like a ramirez who would just be a bit of magic and could break a team down but as soon as that first goal happens that low block becomes mid block or becomes like a uh there's more space and I think Borough's got to be a bit more fluid and try to break teams down fairly quick, more, more quicker in that first half, or be a bit more aggressive um, to try and get that first goal. And I know Denny you mentioned about what more putting two chances away, and he probably should have. And it's just a bit frustrating, isn't it? I think that it it could have been so much better, and he, he really should have put them away. Yeah, it's it's classic what more really, and oh God, if only he could finish, honestly, because he does all the good work, and he did all the good work yesterday. You know, the running, actually trying to to get through. You know, he, he never shies away. What more does he? So much like Moon, is he, he he still works hard, but he just can't finish, and mm. and that's that's probably why I've said a few times to move him on because yes, he's you know fantastic in the build up, but. He's just, he just can't finish, and that's half of Borough's problem and has been for for quite a few seasons now. And it feels like we're much better with actually attacking, I would say, um, than previous seasons where it has felt like we've just been pulling teeth. But then when you have what more, unfortunately, just can't finish up front, then, um, yeah, the, the chances are always going to fall to him rather than the player that probably can actually finish it. Well, let's move on to questions then. Um, Because I don't think there's anything more we can really say about the game on on, on Saturday night. Um, But this is an opportunity for you guys to send us questions via Twitter um, or email at theboroughbreakdown.hotmail.com or you can join our Telegram chat with over 290 Borough fans in there talking anything but Borough. Um, But the first question um, from uh, from Gareth, and he says, does Jones need a break out of the team? Uh, he's been very poor. His crossing is worse than Adama's. Uh, he won't take him on anymore either. A uh, bad case of second season syndrome. Uh, Dana, do you want to take this one? Um, I don't know because he still can create and I don't want to just sort of discard Jones. And uh, I mean, to be fair, I don't think people are saying that, but I, I don't know whether it's the right time to to drop him, to be honest. And I do feel like there's this perception of Smith that he's a really defensive option. He's absolutely not. From what uh, Ben said about him, the uh, Ben from the YYY Files of Stoke podcast, he's very creative, um, really high in terms of his chance creation last season. Um, and he seems like an attacking option. He's very much a wing back, so I don't think people should get it twisted that Smith, maybe because he's he's a more experienced head, that he's sort of uh, a Martin Craney or a Fraser Richardson or somebody like that. Um, he's very much a, an attacking 
wing back. So, you know, Tom said it last week, it's it's prime time to play him, but I just don't I think we should stick with Jones because don't forget he, you know, he got an assist, um, what was it? Uh, Gates Cardiff. Um so he's still it's not as if his output has has waned. I think once his output wanes and he you know he goes a certain amount of games without it registering any assists or, or goal contributions, then potentially, yeah, that then that's the time to to drop him. I just think it's maybe a little bit too premature right now. Okay. Tom, is there anything to add to that? Um, like I said the other day, I, I just think Smith is he has been brought in to be the competition to Jones, and I don't think any any player should kind of automatically be part of the team. I do think there is a good opportunity to play Smith now. But I don't think the problems that Jones is having is specific to him. I think it's it's quite a lot of the team are, are going through the same sort of problems. So I, I do think you know if we can get Smith in uh, and, and you know he's uh, replicating the same kind of chance creation he was having for for Stoke last season, uh, it might improve. But you know. Jones could benefit from from a spell out and then coming back in. It could it could be that we might need some rotation there. But uh, like I say, the, the problems aren't specific to him. So if we can coach it, if, if he can be part of the um, the whole kind of coaching within the next couple of weeks and, and coming back stronger, then absolutely no problem with that. But uh, you know, it, it just seems like we've got Smith there as an option, and, and we have never used him so far, which. I find is is a bit strange, kind of even as a sub appearance, we rarely see him. Yeah, no, I would agree with you both on that on that one. I'd like to say a bit more of, of Smith and whether it, it's a replace for for Jones. Then then so be it. To be honest, I feel like Jones could could maybe do with a little bit of time time out. Maybe this this break might might not do him good. But the next question um, is from James and says, "Is this starting to feel a little bit terminal? Uh, preseason hopes now gone." Surely, uh, but what's a good season from here? Um, Dana, what is a good season from here? Well, I don't want to say that, like, you know, we're not... I think it would be easy for me to sit here and make myself feel better and say the playoffs are gone, but they're not. I think there's a 108 points still to play for. That's an awful lot of points. That's going to change. The, the, the table is going to change a lot from now until the end of the season. So I don't think anything's terminal. I don't feel like we should sit here and say the playoffs is done. Um, yes, we do look a million miles away from being a playoff contender the way that we're playing at the moment, but that will change. I, I'm certain it will change. But um, I still think my my thoughts of where Borough finish, it was it fifth. I still think that's doable. I still think that will happen because, as I said, lots of points still to play for. I certainly don't think we should press the panic button yet. And and say that you know we're we're doomed um it's it's a struggle at the moment isn't it we're playing poorly there's a lot of despondency but i'm just hoping to pray that it will change um i don't have any particular um strong opinions on borough's sort of future going forward to be honest so i don't think anything is uh, is impossible now but um things need to change but i think they will Okay, then the final question of the day, it's from Will, and he says, why do people not want Scott Parker in? Um, very nice questions for you both, since you're massive advocates of Scott Parker. Um, so, Tom, why do people not want Scott Parker in? I just feel like those people have no appreciation of a good cardigan, to be honest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that that must, must be it, because there can't be anything, uh, well, you know, football related because we all know he's a shite manager. So who would want him as a as a manager? It's, it's got to be cardigan related. <laughs> he's just not a he's not a great manager to be honest. He had the luxuries of the the Fulham team, the very very good Fulham team, and then a Bournemouth mm. team that spent so well. Forget about spending so much money. He brought a lot of top quality players in. That quality got oh, them yeah. over the line in the end. And if it didn't, then that would have been really really bad for him. I remember watching back the net podcast, and this is this might be really sad, but I was watching a really long video that they did. It was like over an hour long, where they were. It was a proper inquest. It was the the good old results versus entertainment um, question and debate, 
And mm. they were a bit at a loss, really, because they knew that they were getting the results, but they knew that the football was diabolical. And I don't think Scott Parker would would cut it here, to be honest. I don't think the fans would would take to him. I don't think the fans would take to his football. Fulham fans really don't like him. And this is an ex-player of theirs. Like, they really don't like him. They have that chant of F off Scott Parker, we've got Marco Silva. So... Honestly, if anybody is even thinking for Scott Parker to come to Middlesbrough, look at what Fulham fans say about him. Look at what Bournemouth fans say about him. He's just not very good. Simple as that. Yeah, I don't think I'd go to a game again if, if Scott Parker became manager of uh, Millsbrough Football Club, to be honest. I would leave and not come back until he until he left. Um, I mean, it'd be very difficult doing this podcast, but I mean, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't say either. Yeah, he had two promotions, but I think I could have got promoted with, with those two sides, to be honest. Um, they were fantastic. And that January window from Bournemouth and just gone was incredible. The amount of top quality players that they brought in and still just 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 uh got over the line um was 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 very difficult uh to kind of say well you're a good manager and then you know Premier League kind of proves that he just hasn't been good enough any time since he's been there. So but to end on a positive note guys, uh we actually are only five points off the playoff uh playoffs um with thirty six games to play. So don't beat yourself down about it, guys. Don't write the season off. There's always still time to be optimistic. We've still got January. We've still got more breaks to come. We've still got plenty of football we play. But right now, we're 22nd in the championship, and this wasn't part of the script. Uh, this has been the Borough Breakdown podcast, and that was all your Borough Match Day chatter in a pod. Up the Borough Breakdown. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.